0: This morning, the number of the prophecies during the worship went along with what we're, I'm going to share on this morning. And the message title for today is Rejoicing in Difficulty. Isn't that an exciting topic? The last couple times I preached, I talked about dealing with disappointment and about a biblical view of death. And now, rejoicing in difficulty. These are not like, hurrah, let's get all excited sorts of messages. But they're necessary because life is not always excitement and easygoing. Life is sometimes difficult. And I've been pondering the topic for today's sermon for, I'd say, the last couple months. And it started with the the preparation and the time when Sarah went to Africa. It started with that trip. And while she was gone, and I was here looking after things, and she wasn't at home. I had a song on repeats in my mind the whole time. It's not a song that I listened to, but it's one that I heard somebody do a special in our church up in Canada years ago. And the song is called Blessings. Some of you may have heard it before. And I would just want to share a little bit about it, and then you'll understand why it was going through my head, perhaps. But it's written by somebody named Laura Story. And her story... Well, she had a, a, a great going Christian life. She had a lot of what we would call blessings. She wrote a well-known Christian song in the early 2000s. Very well known. She married her childhood sweetheart. Everything worked out for her to marry Martin. She worked in music and ministry in a large church in Atlanta. She won a Dove Award. She had two consecutive nominations for Female Vocalist of the Year. I mean, things were going great. And people would say that she was greatly blessed. But in the middle of all that, after she married Martin, her athletic husband, after only a couple of years of marriage, developed a brain tumor, very young, and had brain cancer. And then they, had, they did surgery on it. His surgery didn't go very well at all. He was in the hospital for three months afterwards. And it was five years at the beginning of their marriage that he was in and out of the possibility of not making it. So they spent those first several years, after a couple of really good years, those next five years, fighting for his life, basically. And then he ended up, after that, Martin ended up with permanent vision damage and permanent memory loss as a condition from his brain cancer. They did not have, you know, it was a very difficult time for them. And that's where the song comes in. It was through that difficult time that she wrote this song called Blessings and you'll recognize it perhaps if you've heard it before and i'm just going to read I'll certainly not sing for you i will read the cor- or the verse first verse and the chorus and these are the words we pray for blessings we pray for peace comfort for family protection while we sleep these things hit home for me these are a lot of things that we pray in our home we pray for healing for prosperity we pray for your mighty hand to ease our suffering All the while, you hear each spoken need, yet love us way too much to give us lesser things. What if your blessings come through raindrops? What if your healing comes through tears? What if a thousand sleepless nights are what it takes to know you're near? What if trials of this life are your mercies in disguise? And that was the line that hit me. What if the trials of this life are your mercies in disguise? Because we pray for everything to go well, and that's certainly our human hope. But what if the difficulties are actually the blessings, God working in our life? And that was a perspective that this, the lady who wrote this song eventually developed. I don't believe she had that at first when things were going very tough. But through the trial, through the tears, through the pain of what they went through, her attitude became, these are God's mercies. Because she could see how God had used everything to draw her and her husband closer to him, to form their lives to be more like him. It was through the difficulty, not through the ease, that they were changed for the better. Who else had this sort of perspective who else in the Bible went through a lot of suffering and wrote about it? The Apostle Paul. That's going to be our, our theme verse for this morning. We're going now into the Word of God to teach what the Bible says about this. And Paul wrote about it in Romans 5. He wrote about it in several places. But we're going to focus this morning on Romans 5, verses 1 through 5. We'll read that as we get underway. It says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we also have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. How many of you rejoice in hope of the glory of God? in now or in eternity, amen? We look forward to that. Verse three, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. has been given to us. Not only that, but we rejoice in our suffering. And he listed three specific reasons why we can and should rejoice when things aren't going well. In times that we would look at and say, well, this is a blessing. He said, actually, maybe it is. And here's why. The first reason is that suffering produces endurance. Suffering makes us stand or endure for longer. So you know me, and I like to look up what things mean in the Bible. When there's a verse, you know, when it goes through a verse, I like to look up and say, well, what does it actually mean in the original, in the Greek or in the Hebrew? And there's often more deep meanings in there than we would just glean from just reading it through in English. That word suffering means a bunch of different things. And I think many of these apply to us. We can think suffering for the cause of Christ. That's certainly one area. But we can go through a lot of things that don't go well. That could be sufferings that are meant to transform us or change us. The first thing it means is pressure. Have you ever felt under pressure? Well, when the Apostle Paul said suffering produces endurance, it means when you are under pressure, you have the chance to build endurance. Endurance in your life. It also means affliction. To be afflicted in some way. Maybe you have been physically afflicted. Something in your body wasn't working right. You had a surgery or you were sick. You had some sort of a physical affliction. That is a suffering. You have a mental affliction or something in, you know, appears not working or emotionally you're going through a really up and down time. You're struggling emotionally. That would be in the definition of affliction. It also means anguish, which is a great sorrow, is an anguish. It means burdened, to be burdened with something. And maybe you felt that way, to be burdened down with something that was hard to bear, hard to carry. You felt that burden. It also means trouble. When maybe you've had things go wrong outside of your control and it puts you into a tough situation spots, financially or work-wise or family-wise or whatever it is. It's some area of trouble. All these things are sufferings by the definition. It's a very broad word. And so we experience sufferings, I'd say, every day in our life. We have something that doesn't go well. We may hit a point in our life where we have a big suffering, a big difficulty. But every day we're faced with some sort of difficulty, something that is a trouble or something that is a pressure or something that is a burden or or an affliction. So Paul said the right thing to do, the right attitude to have when coming into any of these, he said we can choose to rejoice because God will use these things for our good. God will use these things to build endurance in our life. The Apostle Paul said elsewhere in 2 Timothy 3.1, he said, Understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. Times of suffering will increase in the last days. It's pretty likely it's going to increase in our lives. Hurrah. <laughs> Not exactly, but it is key. It is vital. So he says suffering produces endurance. Endurance literally means cheerful or hopeful endurance. In the translation, it often drops that other definition word out. But it is not just the thought of being able to withstand longer, but it's the attitude that goes along with it. Suffering produces cheerful endurance. In other words, going into the difficulty and carrying through it with a good attitude. That's tough, isn't it? We were just reading this morning. This is just coming to me. I don't have it in my notes, but we were reading in our little family devotion time this morning before church. We're going through the gospels and we were reading an account where Jesus heals a widow's son. The widow's son had actually died. So he rose the son again from the dead. There was something I didn't notice in this account before. It gives some descriptions of what's going on in the account. In the account, it says there is a large crowd following Jesus. So imagine Jesus in the front, huge crowd of people behind him. And it says they're coming to this certain place. I don't remember where, but they're coming to a city. And it says at the same time they're coming to the city, out of the city is coming a large funeral procession. And in this procession is this lady, her son who had died, and all the people who were part of that funeral. And I had this picture that I've never had before. Jesus was in a traffic jam. He came to the gate. It makes it sound like at the same time the funeral procession came to the gate going opposite ways. They both had large crowds and Jesus got there and he's like, here we go again. Another traffic jam. We've got to deal with this. We're stuck. No, He cheerfully endured and did the right thing that God, his father, wanted him to do, which was to minister to the lady and her son, despite the surrounding difficulty that they had of these two crowds trying to get through the same gate in opposite directions. He could have focused on the difficulty, but he had built a cheerful endurance to do the right thing, to have a good attitude despite... What was going on. Endurance is a capability of doing something harder for longer, right? Harder for longer. If we see somebody has great endurance, they can do something that's not easy for a long time. I probably shared this story before, but years ago when I first moved here, I decided I was going to bike to work and uh, I biked up the hill to work. For those of you who've never done that, That doesn't sound very hard. For those of you who have been on a bike before and have gone up a hill, you know what torture that is. And when I first started out, I made it to the corner around my house, somewhere around there, and I had to walk the rest of the way. But it was day by day by day by day over probably three to four weeks until I got to the point that I could make it all the way up. It was a daily building of going through the same scenario every day that I could finally make it. And you know what was interesting, even when I was able to finally make it, there was days I didn't feel like it. And when I didn't feel like it, I would quit a lot earlier. See, my attitude affected the outcome. This is where cheerful endurance comes in. Because you can have great endurance for something, but if you don't feel like it, you're going to quit sooner than you should. The attitude changes the length or the ability of the endurance. The Apostle Paul gave us one of the keys to this endurance in Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. In Philippians 4, verse 11, it says, This is a familiar passage, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need, times of great ease and times of great difficulty. What was his secret? How did he learn to go through those times? Verse 13 I can do all things through him who strengthens me. It is Christ that lets me endure through the difficulties. As we heard in prophecy this morning, it's not something that we work up on our own and say, hurrah, I'm going to do this. I can make it. That may help, but ultimately it is Christ. It is Jesus Christ and his strength in us that enables us to endure with a cheerful attitude when things do not go well. The Apostle Peter said this in 1 Peter 4, 12 through 13. Beloved, Do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Rejoice, it's not abnormal for things to go wrong. Maybe to get stuck in a traffic jam or to have your plans changed or maybe it's something even way more major than that. But we can choose to rejoice, and that is the key to building endurance and turning to Christ to see him, that he is our strength. So think to yourself, well, what are some areas, what are some ways that maybe I am suffering or have suffered? What's a difficulty that I have been through or am going through? And then look at that and say, Lord, how do you want to build my endurance through this? How do you want to change me? through this. When we go through things and it builds that endurance, the next thing the apostle Paul says is that endurance builds our character. Endurance builds our character. Character means to be tested or proven or trustworthy. Endurance produces character. Tested, proven, or trustworthy. See, cheerful endurance and difficulty produces a strong character. We've met people like this, right? They seem unshakable no matter what happens. They don't change. Their attitude stays pretty good. And they carry through with difficulty. I love those examples. As we endure through difficulties in life, they will change us. They will mold our character. But really the question is, how will they mold our character? Because two people can go through the same, two, the same thing, the same trial, the same difficulty, and have very different outcomes in their attitudes during and after. Some can be more at peace, have built more trust in the Lord, have come through a changed person, more into God's image. And somebody else can go through more irritated, more upset, more upset with God even sometimes. I've heard people recount those stories. Why would a good God let this happen or that happen? But they went through the same difficulty. The difference was in the choosing to rejoice. That is the key. We rejoice in our difficulties because when we do, it builds endurance. It changes our character. It molds us to be more like Christ. The Apostle Paul said this, or sorry, the Apostle James said this. Paul did not write the book of James. James wrote the book of James. James said this in James 1, 2 through 4. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, endurance, a good character. Those are the same thoughts. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So James recognizes the same thing. When you go through difficulties, trials, count them with all joy. Rejoice in them because they're making you more firm and steadfast and they're making you more perfect. That really means more like Christ. They're changing you to be like Jesus. We pray for our boys every night when we put them to bed. And Sarah and I have, I guess we've kind of formed and have our, our quite routine prayers. She has a certain one and I have a different one that we often pray the same four or five different thoughts for the boys. And one of the ones that I pray for them basically every night when I put them to bed is, Lord, I pray that you would make them young men of God after your own heart and that you would help them to become like you. That's one of my greatest prayers for their life is that they would become like Jesus. I've sat back and I've thought, well, what does that prayer actually mean? That can be a bit of a scary prayer when we say, Lord, make us more like you. And then we read the Gospels and we see what Jesus went through and what he was like. If you've been here for long enough, or you've you've read any of Pastor Bailey's books, you know that he taught through the fruits of the Spirit, which we know and love in Galatians 5. He taught, well, dear, many of these things are worked in you through difficulty. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience, and kindness, and goodness, and gentleness, and faithfulness, and self-control. But if you want to be more loving, you're going to go through times where you face or work with people who aren't so loving. If you want to be more at peace, you're going to go through difficulty to have peace developed in your life. If you want joy, you're going to go through sorrow. If you want patience. Mm. The Lord will surround you (laughs) with situations or people who develop that in your life. Long-suffering, the same. Self-control. Maybe you'll be in situations where you've got to choose to not do what you want to do, and that builds self-control into you. We often learn these things through their opposites, as Pastor Bailey would say. You can't build endurance without difficulty you need the difficulty to build the endurance and without the difficulty your character will not be tested and proven you've got to have the difficulty that's why the apostle paul said we rejoice in these difficulties because they give us opportunities to grow to become better more and to endure more through them to become more like christ you can be a really sweet person when everything is going well. I can be a sweet person when everything's going my way. But what am I like and what are you like when things are not? These are the times when we're given the chance to grow, when things are not going well. Remember, every response hinges on a choice to rejoice in the difficulty. Finally, the Apostle Paul said, That character, as we go through difficulty, produces hope. Character produces hope. And for me, this is a mental image. And just before I get there, hope means an anticipation or an expectation or a confidence. It produces an expectation or a confidence of an outcome. And I say it's a mental image because this is the picture I had when I first got married. And leading up to marriage and into our first bit of marriage our first year i would say especially we had many good times we were also learning to be together and to live together and we had our difficulties we had our things that we had to struggle through and talk through and it has gotten much easier after 13 years but that first year it's a big learning curve Those of you who are married, you probably agree. Maybe for some, it lasts longer than that first year. For us, it was pretty much a year that we were going through a lot of of learning curve. And I, I would call these storms when they came up, things that just, we had these frictions between us. And I always had this picture of this older gentleman sitting at a table, hands folded, going to the Lord in prayer. And I remember telling Sarah one time, I said, I wish I was like that guy that I picture in my head who when things weren't going well, and this guy was surrounded by a storm that was going on in my mental picture, I said, I wish I was like him, that when he's surrounded by the storm, he just sits at the table and he goes to the Lord in prayer. And he's at such peace. And he's got such trust. And I was telling Sarah this story. She didn't remember it from when we first got married. And she, she's like, well, I think you're more like that now. So praise the Lord. 13 years has had its time and its work a little. That to me is the picture of what hope means. Character builds hope. And that hope is an expectation or a confidence in God. So as we go through life's difficulties, we learn that we can trust him. No matter what is going on in our life, we have a hope in the Lord that he is working it all out in our life and for our good, no matter how tough it the thing is. That we're going through. And there we have that picture that I had somebody with such peace and such trust because they knew God was in control despite the storm that was going on. And it is developed, it's not something that we get just like that. It's not something that all of a sudden one day we're like, oh, okay, I'm at at full peace and full rest and I trust God. It is developed over years of difficulty over years of building a habit of going to the Lord and trusting in him and turning to him in the midst of the difficult time. In the Bible, I imagine the Apostle John to have been somebody like this. We get that picture as they're at the Last Supper and as Jesus is preparing to go to the cross. John was right there next to Jesus. He had his head leaning on Jesus. He had that relationship with Jesus. Later on in John's life, he wrote this to all of us in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 9. At the first part of the verse, he says, I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus. See, John was saying, I'm there. I've been there. I've been through the difficulty. He could literally say that. He was boiled alive in a pot of oil and survived. He didn't have it easy. And yet he said, I am your brother in tribulation. And I get this picture of John, this much, much older disciple now, leaning on his beloved, leaning on Jesus. He had hope in God. He said, I understand. It's not always easy. I am your brother. I am your partner in tribulation, in life's difficulties. We also have other biblical examples of the heroes of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. And of all of them, it says this in in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Who are the cloud of witnesses? Hebrews 11. They're all the heroes of faith that they just talked about. So we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses Let us lay aside every weight, the sin which cleansed so easily, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. How, why specifically does he say we look to Jesus here? For the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. The heroes of faith and Jesus himself are all an encouragement to us to run our race with cheerful endurance, to be like Jesus, to endure our our crosses that we face in life, our difficulties, because there is a joy set before us. One day we will be out of those difficulties. We will be with him in eternity. That is the joy set before each one of us. These Bible heroes that are recounted for us in Hebrews chapter 11 kept pressing on when things got difficult. And they're up there, I mean this in the most respectful way, cheering for us. The Bible calls them our cloud of witnesses, the ones who've gone before us. None of them were perfect, were they? They all had their times when they failed, but they did not quit. Don't quit. Don't give up. No matter what the difficulty is, some of these people went through a lot and they didn't quit. They were not perfect, but they didn't give up. Abel lived with an angry brother. He could never do anything right around his brother. His brother eventually killed him. Was that easy? I'd say Abel had it pretty tough. He's a hero of faith. Noah lived for hundreds of years surrounded by people who were sometimes disobedient, who didn't listen to the preaching. It was only he and his family that survived. Do you think Noah had it easy? And then after the flood, he was around to see the decline of man again to the Tower of Babel. He had it pretty tough. He's a hero of faith. Abraham was tested on his dearest promise. God told him to give up his only son. Do you think Abraham had it easy? That was difficult. But it says he trusted God and considered him faithful. He had that hope in God. Moses led a complaining people for 40 years <laughs> through a desert. I wouldn't want to be in his shoes. He went through a lot. And he did fail. He lost his temper. He got mad enough to hit a rock and then he suffered a consequence for that and didn't make it into the promised land. But that was not Moses' normal response. That was his one time it recounts that he failed. Every other time when something happens, he went to the Lord and he sought God and he endured through. Tremendous example. So developing the right response in difficulty will strengthen your hope in God which will help you to trust him to do a good work through you and in you through your difficulty. So I conclude this morning with a question. And it was a question that was brought up or or mentioned in the prophecies this morning. Is Christ enough? Is Christ, Jesus Christ, is he your all? If he's not When you go through things not working out in your life, it will be a lot more easy to get upset by them. But if Jesus is your all, if he's your focus, then the difficulties will be more side issues because he's the goal that you press toward. A question I was asking myself is, could I lose everything and be content that I have Jesus Christ, that I live for him? It's a tough question. The Apostle Paul said this in Acts 20, 24, I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself. He said, even the very fact I'm alive isn't really any value to me. I don't count my life as precious to myself. If only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. He said, I live for Jesus. Christ is my all. Everything in my life outside of that is really no value to me. My life is about Jesus Christ. So is Christ your all? The last verse for today is James chapter 1, verse 12. It says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast or endures under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. This is the end game, the long-term goal of enduring through life's difficulties, becoming more like Jesus so we receive the crown of life in eternity. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. So my encouragement today is when difficulties come, don't shove them away. Don't complain about them. I'm preaching to myself too because those are the easy things to do. But see God's hand in them. Rejoice in those times of difficulty, knowing that God is working in your life through whatever is happening in your life. These difficulties may just be God's blessings in disguise to draw you closer to himself and to change you To be more like him. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for all the the things in our life we look at that we see as the good. You often bring things our way that we look at and we say, wow, what a blessing. You have given me so much. But Lord, I also pray for each one of us that you would help us to see the difficulties that you bring in our life as your blessings as well, your your way to work in our very heart, in our very character, to help us to be more enduring, to help us to be more like you, to help us to turn to you with hope and with trust and with expectation. We recognize that you are a good God and a good father, and we help us to trust you, Lord. We love you. In your name. Amen. Amen.